Hello, and welcome to Get Wrecked. I am your host, Stephen Falgu. And I am your other host, Don Falgu. Get Wrecked is our podcast where, every two weeks or so, Stephen and I, two siblings, get together and recommend each other two pieces of media, be it an album, film, video game, or whatever. And then in the next episode, we discuss each other's recommendations. Oh, sorry. You know what? I just remembered I forgot to do something before the episode. I, I forgot to put on my Jordans. That How was am I going to go tiptoeing if I don't have my Jordans on? That is a that is a big mistake because I'm actually wearing a headset uh, with an attached microphone so that I can tiptoe in my Jordans uh, myself. I, so I, 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 I could to... hear it. I could actually hear it. That's oh, the thing. Okay, well then that's I'm, why I remembered. That's unfortunate. I'm making a mistake because the whole reason why I am tiptoeing in my Jordans is so that you can't hear it. Oh, so I'm that's clearly true. I'm clearly not doing this with the um, with the appropriate finesse. Yeah, it's really for stealth missions on the basketball court. What people don't understand about basketball is typically you watch basketball and you're like, okay, there's 10 players on the court. I see them all. But really, the best teams actually have four players on the court and a fifth one on a stealth mission to score baskets in the basketball hoop. And not only is the sound so quiet that no one can hear it, um, but it's it's actually so soft that the the player becomes invisible. Right, exactly. Which is a great segue, of course, if people don't know what we're talking about. We're of course talking about Riff Raff, which is uh, what I recommended to you, Don, last time. Riff Raff's album, of course, Neon Icon. I believe, kind of the breakout, like, full studio album. Uh, 2014 had a lot of features on it, but it primarily features Riff Raff, Houston native Riff Raff. So I will turn it over to you to start talking about it. Uh, Yes, Houston native and Vine Star. Right, Um, really the best things that come out of Houston other than us. Uh, Riff Raff. I guess Beyonce. No, Riff Raff. Only Riff Raff. Not us, yeah, that's not true. Beyonce. Only Riff Raff. Um, you know, it's. It was, I feel uh, strange talking about Riff Raff in 2021. I just, I feel odd. It feels odd. It feels like uh, something in the, in the time rift has gone haywire. Um, and uh, and par- elements of popular culture have been shifted. Uh, seven years in the past, um, while others have not. It's it's strange. Um, I remember, <laughs> I remember when Riff Raff was like. I mean, I guess he is still a thing. Sorry to Riff Raff, but um, when he was like a big thing that people were talking about, because I remember being showed the music video to tiptoeing in my Jowdens, um multiple times by multiple different people, uh, and and it, and it was quite funny. You know, this 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 man, Riff Raff, Sir Riff Raff, did look. Uh, rather rather goofy, you know, um, not in a bad way, it's just a style, you know, but a little bit of a goofball, you know, tiptoeing in his Jowdens. Um, but, it, you know, now, 
I can't say I've thought about Riff Raff uh, ever since then. I cannot say that this man's presence, name, um, iconography, um, ha- has really uh, has really entered my brain since then. But uh, but it has now, and I also I must not have known everything there is to know about Riff Raff because I wasn't really on Vine at the time. But I guess that Riff Raff was known for vines. Um, among other things, he had some uh, silly vines where he acted goofy, silly interviews where he acted goofy, and he had uh, this album, which followed up all of the immense riffraff hype. Everybody just wanting to see what what riffraff, what riffraff would do, um, and he indeed made an album. I gotta say, if if there is anything that can be said about Neon Icon by Riffraff, it is that Riffraff uh, made this album Neon Icon. And that it is by him, Riff Raff. So it's Neon Icon by Riff Raff. Um, though I- I'm not really sure how I'm supposed to uh, pronounce it, given the capitalization of the of the album. Uh, I don't know how you how you pronounce these lowercase eyes. Nor do I really understand the thing behind it. And I, I appreciate this album cover a lot. I gotta say, um, it really gives you an idea of Riff Raff, the family man. You know, Riff Raff. With a with a with a very cute baby, cute little puppy. Uh, it appears to be a Siberian husky, but I, I can't tell. It is a puppy, um, and he's he's just looking so happy uh, to be to be hanging out with um, with these uh, with these friends. Um, and you know that's what I gotta say about this album. He's just such a happy guy, making uh, silly songs. And, um, you know, in fairness to, uh, to, 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 to Mr. Riff Raff, um, this album isn't, 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 it isn't that bad, you know? Um, Neon Icon by Riff Raff, let it be known that Neon Icon by Riff Raff is not that bad. Um, in fact, I think that, uh, that, that Mr. Riff Raff has some, um, has some charm to him. Uh, for starters, he, he can rap. I mean, it's not like the best thing you'll ever hear, but when that opener hits, you know, he's got this banger beat and Riff Raff just going off, you know, about uh, women doing handstands on his schlong as uh, as he as he illustrates in the track. I mean, you got to give him credit. And he's raffing. He's riffing know? and raffing, riffing, raffing and rapping. Um, and the, the three R's and, and of, he, of comedy. And he does all three of those things quite, quite, um, quite well on on this opening track here. Um, I can't say he does all three of these things well all throughout this album, but he definitely could do them worse. Uh, I was definitely expecting them to be done worse. Not to inf- not to offend the man, but I-, I personally had some negative expectations going into Neon Icon by Riff Raff. Uh, I will let you uh, speak on that briefly because I have uh, done a lot of introducing. Yeah, well, I think the wildest thing here is, like, all the features. <laughs> like, how did Riff Raff get these people to work with them on this album? Childish Truly. Gambino. Childish Gambino. Yeah, and, like, major producers. Apparently, Mac one Miller? of the tracks was, was supposed to have Wiz Khalifa, but it fell through, uh, like, in the 11th hour doesn't really make sense to me <laughs> i mean the guy's got connection i mean he's got connections you know 
his riffing, raffing, and rapping. He's got connections. It makes you connections. Yeah, it's almost like he blew up, and then he acted like he don't know nobody, you know? And then everybody acted like they don't know him. It's odd. I will say, it's... Like, I, I agree with you. It's very passable, you know? Like, I don't hate it. I expect to hate it. I don't hate it. There's some tracks on here that actually are pretty fun. Like, uh, we already talked about Tiptoe Wing in my Jordans. Of course, uh, that's a good track. I like that one a lot. Um, but I also feel like a lot of the tracks here become very uh, samey. Like, you're getting a lot of the same stuff on Neon Icon by Riff Raff. Which, I guess, like, is good and bad. You know, you know what you're going, you know what you get going in. But also, I feel like a lot of the tracks just feel very similar. And, um, you know, the features on here are good, but they feel pretty disconnected from the overall what Riff Raff is really going for. Although, I can't say that's any problem with uh, Riff Raff or Neon Icon. I feel like a lot of times features can be very incredibly hit or miss. Um, but he's got some good people as features on, on the album. So it's definitely true. And, and, um, you know, Mac Miller's verse wasn't too bad. It's, it's just, I I feel like when you're coming to listen to neon icon by riffraff, you're here for riffraff, you know, and you could say that about a lot of other rappers, but I don't know. I think, I think most, um, most, um, most hip hop albums, um, can, can, can have, find some benefits, uh, with a lot of features and they can be a nice way to break it up. But, you know, this is Riff Raff, you know. I- I'm here for Riff Raff's personality. And, and and the other features don't really bring that. They don't really enhance that. Um, uh, that being said, one thing that I find odd about Neon Icon by Riff Raff is that um, it's not, like, as absurd and silly as you would expect it to be. And I feel like that's actually a downside to the album. Because I think if you're going to listen to a Riff Raff album, you want, like, you want it to be, like, you know, 100% Riff Raff. You want it to be, like, hilarious, funny, and ridiculous, silly, and, like, bad in the right ways. And, you know, on the highlights of this album, like uh, the opener and uh, tiptoeing in my Jowdens, you definitely do get that. Um, but on a lot of the songs here, you know, he'll have a funny bar here or there, but I can't say that he's really given his A-game as far as, like, the riff-raffin' goes, you know? A couple of funny lines, like, uh, ice on my wrists looking like a penguin. I enjoyed that line. Uh, I really appreciated in uh, Tiptoeing in My Jowdens when he says that he tips his strippers. That was really nice, and that made me like riff-raff as a person. Um... And there are definitely a couple funny lines across this album, but honestly, there aren't that many quotables. There's just not not that many quotables. You know, handstand on the schlong, that's pretty good, you know. Uh, and, th- and there are a couple others, but but for the most part, um, he's goofy, and, and his energy is definitely affable, but, like, I don't know. I don't remember a lot of these hilarious bars you would think that you would get. In fact, some of these tracks feel like they're trying to pass themselves off a little bit more seriously. Like, there are a number of tracks here with, like, pop singers and pop hooks and, like, Mike Posner on one track. And, like, these songs, they're not terrible or anything, but, like, they're very, they're very bland. And, and Riff Raff's presence on them 
starts to feel a little bit stranger because he is still pretty goofy, but he's not as goofy as he should be, but he's also a little too goofy for the style of pop rap that he's going for to really like click and be like easily catchy and accessible. It just feels a little bit weird. Um, then there are there, there is at least one song that I think he was trying to be taken completely seriously, which is the song Time, which is like this country rap song where he's kind of talking about his problems. And, you know, I can respect that, but a lot of the lines and bars on here are just really, really bad. And um, not only that, his singing is really bad. And it's not really funny either. It's just bad. That was probably the worst track. Um, but... Again, I emphasize that overall, there isn't a lot of great things to say about it. I, I feel like it actually showed me that Riff Raff could have made a great album with this because he's just silly enough and funny enough and charming enough to actually carry a record and make it decently fun. Like, this album can be fun from time to time. But truthfully, it, he's not bringing it, you know? He just isn't bringing it. He isn't bringing the riff and the, the raffin on every track. Um, and And that's just... It also, last point about that is that because of that, it feels like this album would have been better if you were there laughing along with Riff Raff Vines and, and music videos and then there for the, for the release of this album. You probably would have been decently satisfied because it's, like it's an okay fun album, you know? But in 2021, there is no reason to listen to Neon Icon by Riff Raff. There's just no reason to do it because now that the meme has died... And now that nobody really thinks of this guy and, and laughs about this guy really anymore, this album doesn't stand up as like a really funny album, you know, like minus that context. It's just kind of silly, a little fun, decent party album, you know, and that's about it. Yeah, the skits are garbage. Oh, my. I didn't even <laughs> forgot about that. The skit where he does the British accent uh, is one of the worst things I've ever heard. Because uh, he's not even doing the British stereotype well. He's like saying a bunch of phrases that don't even fit with the British thing that he's going, he's got going on. Yeah, we're of course talking about the Bloomingdale's at Windsor Palace. The skit where Riff Raff decides to break out a British accent. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I feel like. It wasn't riff-raff enough. You know? It I... needs to be more riff-raff than it is. And maybe in later albums it becomes that. I'm not really sure. Uh, because I know, you know, at this point, riff-raff really was... And, you know, I don't know how, how much riff-raff believes that they are an actual like good rapper and how much they understand the personality that they're trying to project because you know I don't know if I would say that I feel like they don't believe themselves to actually be a good rapper and it's not really that much of an act so that this album like tries to still be pretty serious it definitely makes sense to me, and I'd be curious to see if that continues throughout the discography. Yeah, I, do, I gotta say, I don't think it's a joke. I think, 
I think he knows it's fun, and I think he knows some of his lines are funny, but I don't think the persona is a joke. I think it's sincere. Um, I think that he harnessed it in a, in a decent way on this album. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think... I think that's probably why it isn't as funny as I'd want it to be, is because I don't think it's 100% like a joke. I don't think he went into this trying to make a f- suit like just a hilarious comedy album where you just laugh at him the whole time. I don't think that was the point. And so you don't really end up getting it. Um, but, you know, give Riff Raff this. He is the white version of every black celebrity, according to him. Uh, all across this album, uh, he does, uh, he points, he, he makes it very clear that he is the white version of every black celebrity in existence. Um, but I don't think any rappers... I remember I hear, um, I think Gucci Mane. I think he mentioned Gucci Mane. But I remember, um, I remember Eddie Murphy, uh, Wesley Snipes, uh, and, and a couple other names too. But I don't, I wasn't sure what the idea was behind that. But, you know, that was one thing that I got from this album. Well, I think we can wrap this one up. We sure can. Uh, I gotta say, Neon Icon by Riff Raff, you know, it's, it's passable. It's a listenable album. It, it, really, it really is. And in fact, I think at points, it's actually, it's actually a little funny. Um, it, there are some good lines. Uh, there is a, there's a lot of charm to, behind Riff Raff as a rapper, in, in, all, in, all, in all honesty. And the production is fine, for the most part couple shitty beats but for the most part you know it's fine uh he even does like a kid rock kind of song with the second one (laughs) so he brings a lot of different things to the table here but at the same time it feels like he's kind of only good for one thing and the best songs really capitalize on that um i think this is a, a would be a fine party album it's not a bad album but it is definitely far from a good album. And it isn't even really what you would want from a Riff Raff album. Certainly not a Riff Raff album to listen to in 2021, um, which I have now done. So I would give it a 5 out of 10. Um, I don't recommend it. Um, that being said, I don't think you should avoid it with all of your life, you know? I would be fu- personally fine to hear Neon Icon by Riff Raff again, and I have to say that is a pleasant surprise for me uh, with this recommendation. And that's all I have to say. And I pretty much echo that. Like, it's very middling. It needed to really dive in more one way or the other. And I think just with Riff Raff being who... He is, I would probably have dived into the more outlandish side, but I give it a five as well. I, I don't recommend it either. I think that, I mean, it's certainly listenable, but I wouldn't listen to it again, really. And I guess that's it for a Riff Raff Neon Icon. Uh, so with that, should we move on to what I recommended to you, Steven? Yeah, before we do that, I just wanted to mention some people in the chat are um, asking how we are keeping it together while talking about Riff Raff Neon Icon, and I just wanted to say that we are professional reviewers here, 
and uh, we don't ever break. Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't joking with anything that I said. No, in fact, our podcast is zero jokes. We've never made a joke on this podcast. So if you ever wondered why we weren't funny, that was why. We weren't trying to be. And anyway, um, we will move on it's to... It's literally what... impossible, actually. Like, whenever we try to make a joke, it gets filtered into non-joke. Yeah, so that should explain it. If you've ever wondered uh, the, the behind the scenes as to the, uh, <laughs> the lack of humor on Get Wrecked, don't worry, it's intentional. Um, and anyway, should we move on to what I recommended to you, Stephen? Yes. Last episode, I recommended to you, Stephen, the newest album by Violet Pony, the album Cutie Marks and the Things That Bind Us. Um, oddly enough, our second uh, MLP fan album ever talked about on this show. And um, that is all I have to say about that. I will let Stephen take it from here. So, what's, what's the story with this one? Is it is a story? Is there a story with this one? Do you mean, like, is it a concept album? With, like, no, a like, story? Uh, like, the background of it. Oh. Um. Is this, like, a new thing on the scene? Or has this person been making stuff oh. before? Yeah, well, um, Violet Pony's been around since... Uh, making pony music since 2012 i think or maybe even before then but um and this album is like the 15th i think i don't remember but there's a lot um that she's done and yeah like i don't know how to give all that background because it's so much to sum up (laughs) but basically this album sees her like kind of doing hyper pop stuff and like mixing that in with like her old like EDM material she used to do. I mean, the album's got its own themes and concept, but I don't know. Gotcha. Sorry. I was just looking at some of the um, other Spotify album art from Violet Pony and uh, some of them. Some of them are really something, I'll say. Uh, anyway, okay. Are you talking yeah. about the single art? I think I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think so. Um, anyway, uh, I can tell is why I asked that, by the way. I can feel the history here. I didn't know if there was a lot of history here and if this was like a first album, but I can definitely feel the history of this person with like the fandom. One of the things that we talked about so much with the last fan album and generally with any fan stuff that we've talked about in the past is like how impressed I was at that point of like how well it's all incorporated. There's a larger message here, but then there's also a very hyper specific message that's very specific to the fandom. Right. And there's like, with this album, I feel that also. I mean, there's a lot of references to stuff that go over my head. I can definitely tell that, like references to specific aspects of the show. But then there's a lot of references to stuff that's, like, larger than that. I mean, one of the songs literally, like, talks about uh, Newgrounds and Tumblr and all of that. All, a whole bunch of, you know, early internet stuff and 
stuff that became very <clears throat> a very important, very well associated to My Little Pony fandom, especially like Tumblr and that sort of thing. Um, so I really appreciate a fan work that can embody that and incorporate that, but also utilize that to evoke some sort of feeling because it's very easy to just make callbacks. But if they're empty callbacks or empty references, I don't feel like they really carry any weight. And a lot of times they can almost become like tacky in a way, right? Cause then you're just like, you're like, Hey, you know, this thing. And I mean, you know, there's some of that that can be quite fun and nostalgic and can also evoke something very specific as well. But I think what's so good about this album, what's so good about the album we talked about before is like, they're utilizing that nostalgia and those references to evoke a very specific message, both about the fandom and the art itself, but then also just like emotional response to those things. Um, and where I feel like this one differs, it's, it's like, there's, you know, as you mentioned, it kind of like gets into sort of hyper pop and I feel like the energy of that, the charisma, the charisma of that, the like, um, just generally the way that that kind of evolves across the, across the course of the album, that alone kind of evokes some message, um, where I feel like this one differs like to the one that we've talked about before is like some of the messages here, I feel like can get a little darker. I feel like there were some pretty intense themes throughout the course of this album that I thought were interesting and a different, you know, a different view of the whole thing. Um, and then also just like generally like how that attaches to different aspects of nostalgia, like I mentioned, like stuff like Tumblr and those sorts of things. But even with all that aside, like just generally talking about, you know, the musicality here, what's so great about this album and the one we talked about before is it's like, there's just a lot of really great musicality. Like so many of these tracks are so good. Um, it's honestly, it's still just like crazy to me that this is like, you know, all of that's wrapped in a fan album, essentially. Um, and it's something that I just feel like, I mean, obviously I, it's like, I can't point to everything out there that exists in, you know, every fandom ever. Right. But I don't know, something about this fandom specifically has produced such great stuff for us to be able to talk about. I'm sure it exists elsewhere too. Um, like if we really went to go dig for it, but there's just such a, such a specific emotional and energetic response here. And I feel that in every track and it produces really great tracks. I mean, even kind of like, I don't know, would you call them skits? I don't even know what I would call them, but like thinking about the opening track, which is just kind of like, like, you know, just talking about stuff. And there's some other portions of that, some other tracks as well. Even that's really interesting. Um, and uh, then, you know, on top of that, you have all the musicality of some of the tracks, which are really great. Think of, like, Antonym, I liked a lot. And I'm looking here, like, Isometrica, I liked a lot. And some others, too, as I'm looking through this track list. Cutie Marks, just like the first kind of musical track, is really great. So I'll, I'll stop there and kind of let you chime in as well yeah well like that's one thing that i have noticed about violet pony more than anyone else is that um she doesn't sound like an amateur in like literally any way like 
you could imagine an album sounding this good, like just coming out from any other like major artist. In fact, I, I would I would say in many places it sounds a lot better than a lot of stuff you'll hear elsewhere. And that's um this album's definitely more direct, but um you can already hear just in this one record of hers, like maybe more than anything else she's ever done, um how much well, yeah, this and the last one, how how much like range there is to her talent because there's a lot of different like there are a lot of different styles all across this record it's got like 19 tracks on it and it is packed with like a bunch of different stuff um there's like tracks that are basically just like edm bangers or like even like dubstep tracks that just sound fire and then there's like bonnie which is like a funk rock slash also emo song which also just sounds amazing um and then just like your your pop songs like Antonymph and stuff, hyper pop songs like Lesbian Ponies with Weapons, like all these tracks, it's not just like a buffet of sounds, but not really doing anything particularly well. It's like every single sound that this album embarks on, right down to like the ambient track and like the the indie folk song. Like all of them sound like really good. And they're made about as well as anything else you could imagine to hear in this style. And they fit in the album's narrative-ish, um, like, perfectly well. And also suit the flow of the album, too. It, it's not, despite the fact that if you looked at, like, just every single style and sound across this album, if you listed them all out, it would definitely seem kind of like a big clusterfuck. But when you're listening to it, you barely even notice because it just seamlessly blends all of these things so well and uses each sound for a purpose. I think of like, you know, Lesbian Ponies with Weapons, which is like a hyperpop song, as hyperpop as it gets. You know, chipmunk vocals, like super fast BPM, uh, loud distorted bass drums, all that kind of stuff. Like, it uses that sound to evoke... Um, that sort of message of like queer liberation that you was well that a lot of people associate with hyperpop period like it, it's actually using the sound for a purpose and the, the opening uh, or the title track same deal and then like I, I think of like the indie folk song which indie folk and I guess indie in general is just such a great genre to evoke like or to tell a personal story or to use for like some sort of personal narrative or um, some sort of stripped back peek behind the curtain type deal. And so on the, the song coordinates where Violet's talking about like um, this one specific location where she contemplated suicide, it's like it uses that sound to strip the curtain back and take all of the extra sounds away that were like kind of met masking that before even though the topics brought up on other songs and so it's like although it, it almost feels to me and it's hard to get this if this is your first album from her but like or the only thing you've ever heard but to me it sounds like a victory lap in a way because it's like almost every single thing that she's ever done is somewhere on this album in some form but it's presented like as fiery and passionately 
not only that, but also just professionally as it's ever been. So it comes across, and I, I don't mean this literally, but it comes across almost like showing off, like this is everything that I've grown to be able to do. And yet the album itself is so personal and meaningful in a different way than the other works that it's like, it stands on its own completely free of that. Yeah, and a lot of the messages here do get pretty intense. But it's it's hard to say, but it's like packaged in a way where it's, you know, digestible. But you still really get that emotional response from a lot of those themes and a lot of the tracks. And, you know, so many of them are just such great songs to listen to and then as you like sit down and actually listen to the lyrics like oh wow she's really talking about something like pretty emo like pretty sensitive here or you know as you mentioned like themes of suicide and stuff it's like but with all of that it's like very you know powerful and just great to listen to too (laughs) well it's also it's also very positive. Like, this is an album with very positive intentions, which is odd to say about an album that contains some of the material that is on some tracks here. But, like, the the overall meaning, I think, of this album is something that might evade a lot of people. Like, especially, like... Um, well, not especially anybody. It just It just would evade a lot of people, I think. Unless you're, like, in the very specific... Um, subcategory of even like MLP fans who like completely get it. So it, it is in that sense, it's a, it's a bit distant as like any fan works going to be on some level. But, um, but I think the main takeaway from this album among a lot of, there's a lot of things that it talks about, but like, it's this sort of like liberation from, um, from internet cringe culture and that sort of thing, like a rejection of cynicism, which is a theme on a lot of songs. Um, a, a lot of the songs also admittedly are kind of like songs about shipping or whatever <laughs> with more interesting lyrics than that. But I mean, they don't necessarily fit with that theme. But like overall, one of the things that gets touched on the most and the thing that relates, I think, the most to the overall arc of it is essentially that. And like when Violet does bring up that suicide attempt on coordinates, it isn't really placed there to even be sad because the ending of that song in and of itself is saying that that was shortly after that point, she discovered the fandom and essentially saved her life. And then that leads into the last song, which, um, which is a very, very like triumphant kind of like festival sounding EDM tune. Like though those things are touched upon it, it, it's, it's more there just to kind of, add context to the overall theme. You know, it's one thing to just make an album where you're saying like, oh, live your best life, do what you want, have fun, whatever. You know, it's one thing to do that, but it can that can ring so hollow and vapid. But when she adds the depth of those personal experiences and of those like darker subjects, it makes that message strike so much more. It makes it feel so much more potent and like legitimately meaningful. Yeah, and one thing that I was curious if you could maybe talk a bit about, because I can't really add any flavor there, is like 
the connection or the callbacks to the show or to the certain aspects of the fandom. I mean, I will say this about Violet Pony in general is that like, and, and this is actually a good thing. This is what, what I think makes Violet Pony. It's not just the album. It's like, or it's not just this album. It's like most of her music of the last like four or five years. What makes it so easily accessible to somebody who isn't a fan is that like, truthfully, every song here does relate to MLP. And if you were to like read the digital booklet that comes with it or whatever, it explains the stories of them and what they mean. Like, the, every single song is about something. A lot of times it's almost like a fan fiction where it's sort of like, you know, taking those elements. It's not really referencing episodes of the show like um, Fun 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 does, though it does that occasionally. But it's more like taking concepts from those episodes and then like elaborating them on, on them separately. Um, and it's the same with like a lot of her music. Um, but, like... It takes those things and it relates them to the, to I guess more to Violet's personal experience, even though it is like a little bit more common than that. But like, take um, Antonym, for example. Like the, the song Antonym is supposed to be about Fluttershy. And she's like, oh, I, if she were an internet obsessed fangirl in like, you know, 20. 11 or whatever but really that doesn't necessarily mean anything because it it could just as easily just be violet talking on the track right but it makes like direct references to certain things not only from mlp but yeah like also just that era of the internet the era before um you could say like everybody became super cynical you know the era where like memes and um, internet culture was just a lot more unabashedly positive and there was no backlash yet um, but yeah, it's like, unlike something like Fun Fun Fun, it's so much harder to talk about that aspect of this album because, like, it's there. Um, but I think it's more there to provide grounding for the overall themes, which are relevant to, like, the MLP fandom, particularly queer MLP fans. Not just particularly, like, basically specifically. But... Aside from that, it's like, you can't say like, oh, well, yeah, this is about this episode. This is about this. It's like, it's like grounding. Uh, okay, well, I think we could start wrapping this one up. What do you think? Yeah, go for it. I really enjoyed this. I think that it's as good, if not better than the other one. Sorry, I keep forgetting the name. But the other album that we listened to that was kind of in the fandom. <laughs> fun, 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 um, yeah. Fun, 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 yeah. The tracks here, I mean, I don't think I could point to like a single track that I didn't enjoy in some capacity. I just feel like, again, I'm so impressed with just the way, and you mentioned it too with this one specifically, it's like the production of these things. It's just like, it feels like a studio album, truly. And all in a very specific hyper very hyper specific portion of a fandom you know so like utilizing that nostalgia and those feelings that something like that can evoke and then building art around it is so interesting um 
And then on top of that, just like the musicality of the tracks is really great. And so many of these are just really, really fun songs to listen to. So with that, I give this uh, probably a nine, honestly, and I definitely recommend it. I think, I mean, I don't really associate myself with this fandom at all. I really only know even only the episodes of the show that you had me watch. So you don't even need to really be a part of that to like grasp this thing and really appreciate this thing. Same with fun, fun, fun too. Um, obviously if you are there, I mean, there's definitely references and things that you'll understand and might, I don't know, might increase your, the likelihood that you'll like this thing, but I don't really think it's even necessary, honestly, because it's just so good as a standalone piece of music and art. Yeah. And, um, I would also give it a nine at the, the, the highest nine I could give it. Um, I, the only flaw for me is like, this is something with a lot of Violet Pony's albums, like almost every single one of them is that they're all really, really long. Um, and this, and a lot of times it's completely justified and here it's mostly justified, but like in the last third, there are a few tracks before the ending that are a bit weaker and kind of result in the album feeling longer um, it's a really minor complaint though, because seriously, like top to bottom, and, and I was a, a fan of Violet's before this album came out. So I was able to kind of see the singles come out and then see this album come out. And like, it's really incredible because again, it feels like a victory lap, but at the same time, it also kind of feels like the most meaningful thing she's ever made on an album level. Like it's something that actually really says something it isn't just like basically a fan fiction in audio form or in music form, I guess. It isn't like, it doesn't just have themes that you can pull out from it. Like it is about something. Um, and in a way that's carried it pretty far. I mean, this album's gotten noticed by a lot of people, like even outside the fandom. Uh, and I think that's going to continue to happen given that it's like a Bandcamp release. It wasn't like on everybody's radar right, right when it came out, but it's only been reviewed and talked about by more and more people. And it's like, it's not hard to see why, because where something like Fun, 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 which is the only other album that we've talked about, like with something like that, you know, that album definitely, that album was already in the underground of even the MLP fan scene or MLP fan music when it came out and still kind of is, whereas Violet Pony is probably, all right, I won't say most, but she is like among like the most popular well-known artists in this scene today if not the most um and it feels like this is an album that has kind of already transcended the fandom because you know not only has she come so far but also it's such a powerful work on its own like um and so that that impresses me a ton it's still not my it's not my favorite album by her necessarily but it's like right up there um, and I would, I would definitely recommend it. I don't know if I would recommend it to everyone else as like the first Violet Pony album you should hear. Um, it kind of depends on what your taste is. Cause if it sounds like something you'd like, then definitely. But I also think if it doesn't necessarily sound like something you'd like, like if you're not going to be open to hearing like a fucking dubstep track and then a hyper pop track or whatever, if that's not like your style, then she has much moodier, more soft and like R and B releases that are probably better to listen to, like Love Letters Colorless or something. But 
at the same time, I almost am tempted to say it should be the first because it, again, it does just feel like the most meaningful release yet in a lot of ways. And that's all I have to say about that. So we can move on to recommendations if you would like to go first. Sure. So I am going to recommend a film. This is 1989's Back to the Future Part 2. This was the second in the Back to the Future series, directed by Robert Zemeckis. It follows, obviously, Back to the Future Part 1, but takes a more future spin than the previous film, which took a more past spin. So next time we will talk about Back to the Future Part 2. All right, and I will recommend the album Cavalcade by Black Midi. Uh, Black Midi is a UK experimental rock band, post-punk band, uh, prog band, a bunch of things, um, who first got recognition two years ago after a series of successful live shows and eventually a very successful and critically successful debut album, Cavalcade, is their second album, um, and it is also the most recent. It just came out this year. Uh, it is an avant Prague album, like progressive rock. Yeah. Um, and we can talk about that next time. And that will do it. I would like to quickly say the things I always do say, which is that we are on CastBox, if you are listening to us on YouTube. Um, these episodes go up to CastBox uh, usually within the two weeks between episodes. And uh, if you download CastBox to your phone as an app, you can listen to us on the go and uh, listen to all of our episodes. And if you are listening to us on CastBox, we actually stream these episodes live to YouTube on the channel Casting404. Uh, so you can subscribe and come and hang in the chat. Uh, and potentially, maybe, 1% chance... Uh, get spoken to by the hosts of Get Wrecked Podcast, but you know that's a that's a lottery draw. Um, and do you have anything else to add, Stephen? No, I just want to say again, thank you for listening. Other than that, I think we're we're good. Well, then, with that, those were our thoughts. Those were our recommendations. Get wrecked. <laughs>